We want to talk tonight about the, the lost key. If you lose your key, you're out of luck. I don't care how powerful your truck is, you don't find a key, you ain't going nowhere. If you lose the key, you're in trouble. I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. We're not going to look it up. Jesus said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. I'll give you the keys to the greatest life possible. I'll give you the keys to life. And He's done it. He's given us the keys. Everything you're looking for in life, He'll give you. Uh, He came that you might have abundant life and He'll show you how. That's what it means, keys. I'll give you the keys. Keys are in that book right there. But we have lost one of the keys in our churches today. We've lost it in our culture. We've lost it in our churches. We want to talk about that tonight. All we want to talk about tonight is one thing, simply put. God Almighty will give you heaven for free. About a hundred years from now, you'll really be excited about that. Heaven's a free gift. He'll give you heaven for free. Everything else you're looking for is going to cost you something. Heaven's free. Everything else has a price tag. If you want a great marriage, that's not free. There's a price tag. If you want your kids to do great, that's not free. I don't care how much you pray, there's a price tag. If you want to be truly happy, and He is the creator of all happiness, there's a price tag to it. And you can call it the key price, whatever you want to call it. But we've, we've just, I'm just stunned in American Christianity. We've lost the key. And uh, we've got to go back and find it because everybody's looking for love in all their own places. Uh, I've got to cover some ground to start with here. Let me, let me cover that. I want you to settle this in your heart forever because it, it's, it's a great lie across the American church that, and I'll tell you how I know people don't believe God's word. I'll ask somebody, they'll say, well, my grandma died. I said, well, and I'll ask them, did she go to heaven? Pretty good. And they'll say, my grandma's the greatest Christian you ever met. What's that got to do with anything? That tells me they thought she paid for it. That tells me they thought, I've asked many a person, did the, are you going to heaven? I'm doing the best I can. You're trying to buy your salvation? You can't buy heaven. If you could buy heaven, what's that thing on the wall back there? Let me, let me give you a scriptural found. This, this is just everywhere. This You have to earn it. You have to be good. That's unscriptural. Listen to what the Bible says. See if you've ever heard this before. God so loved the world that He gave His Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not die but have eternal life. Amen. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord really will be saved. Ephesians 2, chapter 2 says this. God who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us while we were still sinners, saved us and made us one with His Son. For by the kindness of God, you've been saved. By faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Uh, let, me give you an, you, let me give you one of the greatest examples of, of this truth. When Jesus died on the cross, there were two men crucified with Him, one on each side. They were thieves. One made fun of Him. One mocked Him. The other one humbled Himself and said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. I don't know how he knew this stuff. It wasn't common knowledge then like we have today. I don't know who taught him that this was God. I don't know who told him that he was coming into a kingdom. But he said, remember me. And Jesus turned to the man and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. He'd been with him for 2,000 years. That wasn't a parable. That really happened. We can get on an airplane. I can take you to the spot and show you where that happened. That man's been in heaven for 2,000 years. Never went to church one time. Never gave a dime for anybody. Stole and was a menace to society. He's awful man. He didn't get baptized. What are they going to do? Let's stop this crucifixion. Let him baptize him real quick and put him back up there. 
He didn't get back. He did nothing. What's the only thing he did? Have mercy on me. And he's been in heaven for 2,000 years. They're in heaven's a free gift. You can't earn it. You believe your way into heaven. You don't earn your way into it. But everything else God does for you is going to have a price tag. I want you to look at Matthew 13 at this great truth illustrated. And remember, Jesus said this, I will speak to them in parables. God always teaches us through pictures called parables. And these are two of the parables that teach one simple truth. I love these two pictures right here. This is in Matthew 13. Let's put it in verse 44, Matthew 13, 44. Again, Jesus is speaking. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like, right? Kingdom of heaven, surely you understand. When he says kingdom of heaven, that has nothing to do with heaven. Two phrases in the Bible mean the same thing. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That has nothing to do with going to heaven. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is the activity of God in the earth. It's God's, literally it means the rule of God in the earth. It's where God's working in the earth. And he said this, he said, I'm going to paint a picture to help y'all understand what it's like where God is working. He said, God working in the earth is like this. And here's the picture that he paints. He said, God working in the earth, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field that a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells everything he's got. And he, what's the word? He buys what he found. He buys it. A man's walking home. He cuts through a vacant lot. He sees something. He stops down. He digs in the sand. There's a box. He pulls it up. It's full of Civil War gold coins, several million dollars worth probably. He's not going to steal it. He's an honest man. He buries it. He goes and finds out who owns the lot. He goes to see him. He says, how much you want for that lot? He said, I wasn't going to sell it, but I'll take 150000 for it, which is overpriced. And, uh, he goes, he sells his house, he sells his truck, he scrapes together all the money he can. He, it costs him everything he's got. And what does he do with that money? He goes and he buys that field. Now what's in that field is rightfully his. And you notice it cost him everything he had. But why did he do it? What's the reason? What's the one word? Joy. The joy of what he was going to get. He was willing to pay, pay, pay everything he had to get what he was going to get there. That's the kingdom of God working. In, that's how God works in your life. You said, I didn't know it was going to cost me so much. All right, let me ask you a question. Who got the better end of the deal? Amen. You said it cost him $150,000. What did he get? What's the message from Jesus right there? If you want me to do something for you, it's going to cost you something. But what's the other message? You will never outgive me. That's right. Anything it costs you, you will get more back from me. One day Jesus told one of the finest men in his community, a man who had never broken the Ten Commandments, went to church every Sunday. He said, to, he said, what do I have to do? He said, all you've done is not enough. He said, you go sell everything you got and you come walk with me. The man said, I can't do that. He said, he said I'll keep the Ten Commandments, which that's a, that's a stretch for some of us. He said, I'll go to church. He said, but I, I'm not giving up everything I've got and walking with you. He walked away sad. And Jesus said, it is so hard for people to enter the kingdom of God, not heaven, the kingdom of God. Simon, and Simon, you got to love Simon. Simon spoke at me, he said, uh, we've given up everything, which meant, talk to me. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said. This is Mark 9, Jesus said, Mark 10, Jesus said this. No one who has left houses, jobs, family for my sake will not receive a hundred times as much back in this life and in eternity, eternal life. What did Jesus say? It's going to cost you to follow me. I'll give you a hundred times more, more than what you give me. 
but can you see where it cost him something? There's a price tag to it. Read, let's read the next one. I just talking about the same thing. He's just going to paint it in a different picture. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven, God working in the earth is like a businessman, a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who found one pearl of great price. So what's this guy? He's a jewelry salesman who's going to wholesalers and he's a pearl buyer. Now you're going to understand, pearl was the most valuable jewelry in that day. It wouldn't be it today, it'd be diamonds. Back then it was pearls. So he, he goes around buying pearls to sell in his store. And he's looking for these great pearls. And all of a sudden he finds a pearl like he's never found before. The most valuable pearl he's ever found. What's he going to do? All right, watch this. He finds this pearl. Verse 46, we found the one pearl of great price. He went and sold all he had. And what's the word? He paid for it. He bought it. What has buying pearls and finding treasure in a field got to do with my life? Can't you hear what he's saying right here? If you want the best I can do for you, it's going to cost you something. There's a price tag attached to it. But what's the obvious? What's the other part? You, you, you do it for joy, and I promise you, you're never going to give me anything. I don't give you back a hundred times as much. In, in other words, God is a deal. It's a, but it's going to cost you something. You see, it cost him something to get the blessing here. And uh, this is a tremendous picture. Now, here's the question. A lot of religious people would say, amen, amen, amen. There's price tag, Brother Brian. <clears throat> Let me talk tonight. All right, religion puts a different price on it than God does. You know what religion is? Religion says, well, here's the price. You've got to be a good person. That's not the price. Or religion says you have to perform like you have to get involved with church and go to church a lot for God to do good things. I, I hear this all. This is the mentality of people today, Christians in this church. I hear people say things like this. Well, Brother Brian, I've been, I know I don't, I know I don't deserve a miracle, but that man deserves a miracle. By, you, you're going to pay for the blessing by not cussing? There was the, religion teaches you if you'll be good, God will do good things for you. That's a lie. It's unscriptural. It's, well, what is the price? All right. Th this is so simple. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Use the King James Bible. Put it on a coat and talk. The different things, prices. The Bible makes it so clear that the price of the great life you're looking for of, of God is always the same thing. Faith and obedience. Amen. Faith and obedience. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. When we do His goodwill, He abides with us still and with anybody who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Now, you, you don't buy the blessing of God. The goodness of God in every area of your life is the reward of trusting Him and having faith in Him. Faith is heaven's currency. We won't take time to look at it, but Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith, Noah did what he did. By faith, Moses did what he did. By faith, Daniel. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Abraham. And time would fail me to tell you about all the great saints who, by faith, got everything they were looking for. Faith is heaven's currency. And faith and obedience always go hand in hand. You, you can't obey without some kind of faith, and you can't have faith without some kind of obedience. The lost key is faith and obedience. And you say, well, that sounds like two to me. No, they're one. They're always together. Uh, let me give you some examples of this. <clears throat> let me... Well, let, me give you, let me give you some examples. Let me, turn with me to Malachi. It's easy to find. Find Matthew, turn back one book. Last book in the Old Testament. I'm just going to give you one example. Now, we're living in uncertain financial times. 
We've made more money in America today than we've ever made before, but it's uncertain. When I was a young man, people didn't make near as much money, but it was more certain. You get out of high school, go get your job down to plant. 50 years later, you're done, taken care of. Unless you just blew the place up, you were taken care of. But today we're living in a day of financial uncertainty. People are insecure. Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to have these crazy expenses? And everybody wants financial security. Everybody wants, I know what I got today, but will I have it tomorrow? There's, there's only one place left in America to find financial security. It's in the Bible. And I want you to look for me in Malachi chapter 3. Verse 10, the Bible says this, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this. Only place in the Bible you see God tell you to test him. Test me in this, <clears throat> says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. And that's not all he's going to do. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. You know what he said? I'll guarantee your financial future and your security. And what I give you, I will make sure nobody messes with. I will rebuke the one who destroys your wealth. And I'll, I'll make sure I'll give it to you and then I'll protect it. All right, can you, how many of you know it would be great to know that I never have to worry about money again the rest of my life, ever? I'll have plenty, I'll be taken care of, and nothing will happen that'll mess up my finances. You know what he just promised right there? What's the price tag? Tithe. Tithe. Tithe is not one tenth. Tithe is the Hebrew word for tenth. The tithe is not one tenth of my income. The tithe is the first tenth of my income, first fruits. And uh, so, so you say, where's, where's the faith in that? Where's the faith in that? No, no, here's what we want to do. God, you give it to me and then I'll give you some back. There's no faith in that. Where's the faith? I'll give it to you first, trusting that you will do what you said. Faith and obedience. Now, I can tithe easy today. I'm at a place in life where I can tithe easy. And as a matter of fact, I get to give above the tithe easy now. But when we first started out 40 some years ago, tithing was tough, but we made up our minds right then. I will go without eating before we'll not tithe. And I will... And I, I didn't do it because I was scared he'd hurt me. I didn't do it because I was a Baptist. Although I was, I did it because that man tells the truth. And I said, I'm going to find out if he tells the truth. You say, you shouldn't test him like that. He told me right here, test me. Test me and see if I don't do this for you. Heaven, heaven is my witness. I opened the refrigerator today and broccoli fell out. What do you say? Not room enough to receive it. If you go in my shop right now, you'll say, you must have tithed for 50 years. Just looking around at this mess. They want to, everything in life we want, there's some kind of faith required. Amen. Faith and obedience is the missing key that we've lost. Because see, we want people, you say, Brother Brown, pray for me. I, I love you and I will, but my prayer is not going to help you in most areas. Obey God and see what happens. So I'm going to go get in the healing line and get bopped on the head. You have a sore head. <laughs> you can go to Bible conferences. You can study the Bible. Faith and obedience open the windows of heaven. All right, let me give you another. We won't look at it. Matthew chapter 18. If I want to live with peace on the inside and I want to be happy and I want to enjoy my life, I'm required by God to do something. What is it? You know this, Matthew 18. What am I required to do? Forgive everybody who offends me quickly. Listen, forgiveness is the one area you can't cheat in the kingdom. Matthew 18 is where... Simon asked, Jesus said, how, how often does my brother sin and I have to forgive him? Seven times? He was being humble, wasn't he? Jesus said, 70 times seven a day. 
in case you're wondering, it's 490. Let me throw something out here. Do you think God Almighty is going to ask you to do something that he wouldn't do for you? The other day, I wasn't having a real good day. And about four o'clock in the afternoon, I, I said to him, I'm about to go through my 490 today, ain't I? And, he's, and then you know the parable, the story he told. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who owed a king $10 million, couldn't pay it, put him in prison. And he bowed his heart before the king, said, I'm so sorry. And the king's had a tender heart and said, you don't owe me nothing. Turn him loose. What's that a picture of? I owed God a great debt. I couldn't pay it. I asked for forgiveness. He smiled and said, you don't owe me nothing. Matter of fact, I'll make my son pay for it. He went out and found a fellow servant who owed him a dollar and a quarter. Took him by the throat and said, you owe me. And the man said, forgive me. He said, I will not. And he put him in debtor's prison. King heard about it, called him back in and said, I forgave you that great date and you can't forgive a dollar and a quarter. Put him in prison. And he'll give him to the torturers. You know why people are so upset and mad today? Torturers. Demon spirits are torturing the people of God. You say, pray and get them off. I can't. You forgive them and obey God, faith and obedience, they'll come off. You, my prayers can't do what your faith can do in your obedience. I meet Christians all the time, and, and I just finally, I'll, I'll, through discernment, I'll say, you're mad at somebody, aren't you? Well, you don't know what they did. And I said, no, 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 no. You don't know what you're doing to you. If you want to live a life of peace and rest, and you want to sleep at night, and you want to be healthy, you better learn to forgive. The price of health and peace is forgiveness. It's going, it's going to cost you something. You see, you letting people get away with that? Come tonight and watch me sleep like a baby. I, I, don't, I don't take psychiatric medication. I know some of you think I might ought to. I, I, I get up in the morning. I enjoy my life. I sing all day long. Guess why? I paid the price. And it cost me a lot. But let me make an announcement. This sweet life I live is worth it. Amen. I have found treasure hidden in a field. Peace yes. on the inside. And it's worth it to me. I'm going to buy that field whatever it costs so I can get the peace. I'm going to get that pearl which is peace. Uh, let me throw out one more here. Um, this, is all, this is all through life. All right, for instance, anybody ever face temptation? I'm waiting for everybody in here to say, dang right. All right. There was, I, I, one of the greatest lies, and I've read many of the great saints and said this, I thought the more mature I got, the closer I got to God, and the older I got, the less temptation I'd face. The opposite is true. In case you're young and just starting, congratulations. You know, I, I'm stunned at the temptations I face sometimes. But <clears throat> let me tell you what I've learned about temptation. By the way, temptation is the desire to do something wrong. All right, let me tell you what I've learned. James chapter 1. Blessed. You know what the word blessed in the Bible means, don't you? God's going to do something for you. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he is tested and endures, he will receive a crown of life. All right. What, that verse tells me several things. Number one, I'm going to get tempted. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with being tempted. Don't let your enemy beat you up because you get tempted. Okay. Blessed, now, what's that, what else does that tell me? Blessed is the man who endures temptation. That tells me temptation is not going to be fun and it's going to be tough to endure. We need, we need to break with this stuff. Let's just tell the truth. If he says blessed is the man who endures temptation, what does the word endurance tell you? It's going to be tough. What does the word blessed tell you? God's going to do something for you. You endure this temptation, whether it's to cuss your mom-in-law out, give somebody the finger when they drive crazy, 
retaliate. I don't care what, whatever you're tempted to do. If you will say, this is tough right now, but I am not giving in. I promise you, he will give you a hundred times more than you paid right there. Blessed by God is the man or the woman who endures temptation. The price of the touch of God on your life is to fight temptation. We, all through scriptures, we can go through this. Now, <clears throat> let me put this so, let me just put this so simple. Um, I'll tell you what let's do. I want, um, let's turn to Psalm 128. In case I didn't cover anything you need tonight, we're going to cover everything you're looking for in life in one psalm. If I were to go ask everybody in here, tell me what you're looking for. What, what do you want in life? It'd probably be more than one thing. You'd have a list. I'm looking for some things. All of us. Are. Why are you in church tonight if you're not looking for something? What's the number one thing most people say they're looking for in life? Does anybody know? Happiness. 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 Many surveys I've seen, 65% of Americans say the number one thing I want in life is happiness. Matter of fact, we built this nation on it, didn't we? What's the foundational statement of this nation? The pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. Uh, I was stunned years ago to read a survey of college graduates, graduating college students, and they were asked, what do you want more? What are you looking for in life now that you've graduated? 65% of them said happiness. I thought it had been career, money, mate. Everybody's looking for happiness. Who put that in here? It was God put that in here. And uh, I, I just, I'm stunned. But let me tell you what the problem is in America right now. We're not finding it. This past week, I saw a new a survey, Gallup survey, Happiness is at the lowest point in this nation among people since World War II. You say, huh? well, it's a pandemic. You need a new God. You need a God that's bigger than disease. I didn't, I didn't mean to be a smart aleck there. I, what I'm saying is we, he's bigger than disease. He's bigger than the junk going on around us. All right, this great psalm, this is a great promise from the Father and deals with that. And I don't know what you're looking for in life, but it'll be in here somewhere. Watch this. Blessed, just stop right there. We got to learn about this word blessed. Blessed, if you're from the country. Blessed, it simply means God's going to do something for you. Uh, the, full, the full phrase is blessed by God. It's when he does things for you. Right? Blessed is the man or the woman. Let's read this. Oh, excuse me. Blessed is everyone who what? Fears the Lord and walks in his ways. All right. Who does God do things for? Now, fear doesn't mean afraid. It just means honor respect. If you will honor God and let him tell you how to live your life, bang. Did y'all hear that? There's the rub. People will give money. They'll go to church. They'll go to singings. But when you come down to that one issue of, I don't want him running my life. I'm sorry, guys. Trust and obey. Obedience. Blessed is the man. God does things for the person who honors him and walks in his ways, not their ways. They say, well, I'm, I'm not sure what his ways are. Look right here. Yes, you do. He wrote a book. It's not hard to understand. It only, it only gets hard when you don't like what it says. <laughs> Dear ones, I got to make a decision. If I want God to make my life great, you know what I got to decide? I love him. And he's going to tell me how to live in every area. I, I don't need for you to pray for me. I don't need to get a college degree in religion. I don't need to go to more Bible studies. God knows we've got enough Bible studies. I'm sorry, sir. I didn't mean to say that. We, um, I don't need to get in a new movement. I don't need to find some deep secret. I need to open my Bible and find out what he wants me to do. And make up my mind. Whether I like it or not, there's times I do not want to obey him. Don't sit there and look spiritual at me. 
There's times I don't want to, and I tell him, but you know what? I want to be blessed by him. So I tell myself, stand down, he rules. All right, watch this. Blessed is everyone, everyone who fears the Lord, walks in his ways. All right, let's watch it. Look at the list. When you eat the labor of your hands, literally, Hebrew, you will eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. God will bless your work and it will go well. We're struggling with our labor these days, our work these days. Watch these words. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be what? I thought happiness came from doing whatever you wanted to. How's that working for you? Where's the Bible say happiness comes from? I will not do what I want anymore. You are the Lord. I will walk in your ways. Now, a lot of people think that God doesn't care about happiness. Why do you put it in there? You, you don't realize that God created happiness and he alone can make people truly long-term happy. Now, I know you wouldn't know there's anything happy about God by going to the average church. Saddest bunch of people I've ever met in my life. It's not right that, that folks in the saloon are having a big time. Folks at church look like they just started a funeral, but go with the word. Hold your finger there. Turn a couple pages to the right. Psalm 145. I, dear ones, I've found the secret to happiness. I hear girls say, I'd like to find a man that makes me happy. I was talking to one of our ladies this afternoon. She runs a business and I was in there. She had her dog with her. She said, this is my man now. She said, he's one. She said, look at him. Look how kind he is. She said, look how he doesn't run his mouth. And she'd been mad. She said, this is my dog right here. I mean, this is my man right here. And I said, hey, I know a lot of girls should have got a dog instead of a man. Your dog will make you happier than a man. But I'm going to tell you something to make you happier than a dog will. I was happy. Watch this. Psalm 144, 15. Read this with me. Happy are the people in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Tell me where happiness, true happiness comes from. I've talked to many a person. Why don't you give your life to Christ and follow Christ? They say, I got too much living to do. When I get old, I'll do that. You're deceived. You think that you can make you happy and God will make you miserable so you can go wait till you're ready to croak. Number one, what if you croak before you ask? Then you're really going to be screwed for eternity. So you better think about this, Doc. But dear ones, if you knew the truth, on day one you would say, take over everything and you would find true happiness. And so I, got, I know a lot of Christians aren't happy, then he's not their Lord. And so I can't believe you said that. God said it. Because we've got to get back to this obedience thing. He is Lord, and happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Now turn back from me to Psalm 128. You shall be happy, verse 2. You shall be happy, it shall be well with you. Let's go a little further. What else are you looking for in life? Verse 3. Your wife or husband shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your marriage is going to be great. Who makes marriages great? Who invented marriage? He's the one who makes them great. You can read all the books you want to, or you can be, you can never, you can't even read. If you'll just make Jesus your Lord, He will work on your marriage. Amen. What does it mean, fruitful vine? When I, I grow things, I grow grapes and figs and blackberries. And uh, figs are my favorite. Now, blackberries are the best thing you can eat. Figs are the worst thing you can eat in the fruit category. But I, my figs are my favorite. I love to go out there when they're ripe, and I love to just stand out there and just pick them and eat them. They, they are so sweet. Do you understand? What's the Bible? Why is the Bible comparing my wife to a fig? She does not look like a fig, I promise you. She here tonight. I better backtrack. I stand out there and I eat and it is so refreshing and sweet. Your marriage will be that refreshing and that sweet to you. Not if you get books on marriage. If you do what? Obey God. Blessed is the man by God. 
You say, I didn't know God worked in all these areas. Business, marriage. You should have read his book. All right, watch this. A little bit further. Your children like olive plants all around your table. This is the book on child rearing. Let me tell you something. One of the best things you can do to help your children is you get right with God. You obey God. You put him first in your life. What did he say right there? I've had felt... It's been a couple years that Deacon came up to me and he was so mad, dragging a 14-year-old. And he said, would you talk to him? I said, looks to me like you already have. He said, he don't listen to nothing I say. And I thought, I wonder why. And uh, finally he just huffed and walked off, poor boy standing there with his head down. And I said, yeah, I had a daddy like that too. Apparently not what he wanted me to say. (laughs) You know what? I didn't need to talk to that boy. I need to talk to that daddy. There was the Bible said, you put God first in your life. Your children, like all the plant. People get offended by this. Am I making this up or is this God's word? Because we got to stick with the word. And we're doing everything in the world to keep from obeying God and surrendering our will. Blessed is the man who surrenders his will and says, your will be done. It is the lost key in the church today that brings the touch of God. A little bit further, if that's not enough for you. All around your table. Verse 4, this is how the man will be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion. May you see the good of Jerusalem. Watch this. All the days of your life. Do you want to be 85, 90 years old and strong and healthy and fresh and alive and still bearing fruit? That's Psalm 90. What does he say? You obey God. You won't have one of them pitiful. So my life's pitiful, pathetic. I'm just boping around. You've missed it. I want to fall over wide open. Fresh, flourishing, strong. That's what he promised. He said, God, take care of folks when they're old. Like this is hard for him. There was, he made a fish eat a man for three days and puke him back out where he's supposed to be. There's not much hard for him. He knows about marriage. He knows about business. He knows about all this stuff. All the days of your life, verse six, you'll see your children's children. Watch this, peace on Israel. And you are Israel. You want peace in your life? Put Jesus first. Everything goes back to faith and obedience. And we're so smart today. We got people that know so much, but their lives are a train wreck. What's wrong? What's wrong? There's no substitute for trust and obey. There's no other way. You have to obey the man. You have to make a simple decision. This is what I'm going to do with my life. This this is what I'm going to do. All right. Look at this. You hear his word. You hear the Word of God, and there's two ways to hear the Word of God. Number one is the Word Logos. That means you just read the book. Read the book. I read in this book. <clears throat> I didn't like it, but I read it, and I had to make a decision about something one time. I've had to make a lot of decisions about this book. I read one day in the, in the book of Matthew, in the sermon, I read this. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Do good to those who hate you. So that's impossible. He wouldn't have put it in there if it had been impossible. Right. You could, we need to quit candy caning. You can do it. And uh, let me tell you what I know about this great God, though. Anytime he asks me to do something, he is smiling. And he's got a hundred times as much in his hands just waiting for me to obey him so he can give it to me. I've gotten my old age. I just say, ask me to do something hard. Because <laughs> I know what you got for those who obey you. He is good. And I had to make a decision. You're going to be mad at people that hurt you and lie on you and stab you in the back or are you going to speak well about them? 
Are you going to love people that hate you? Are you going to do good things to people that abuse you? Are you going to be like everybody else and just eye for eye and tooth for tooth? Or do you want to follow Jesus? Is anybody getting away with nothing of me? I said, I can tell. I can tell. You sure enjoying your life, Bubba. Watch me go to sleep waiting on the doctor. The Lord is good. But he's always going to test you. Your life is one long test of obedience to see if he can bless you. See if you've ever heard this before. He will offend your head to test your heart to see if you will obey him so he can do something wonderful for you. Life is one long test. Now, can I be honest with you? I don't feel like doing what he says a lot of times. Somebody does me wrong, I want to slap them naked. Feel, feel. Let me tell you something, I've decided I'm not going to live by my feelings. Man doesn't live by his feelings, he lives by the Word of God. And I've been in this thing long enough to figure out now, you do what the man tells you and tell how you feel to shut up and sit down and watch what happens. This is so simple. It's so simple. I listen to preachers nowadays, they make my head hurt. It's so complicated. And I got a degree in religion. Jesus took it, made it so simple a child can understand it. Just do what the man says. It's, it's that simple. And uh, you listen to his word or listen to this. His, the other way you hear God speak is he speaks to you through his spirit in your heart. He'll speak to you in your heart. You'll put something in your heart. Now I got to make a decision. Once God's shown me something, I can either walk in faith or not. I got to make a decision. And I'm going to walk in faith and I'm going to try this. And I'm going to obey him. And it's going to take faith because... Can I just be honest? It don't look like this is going to work a lot of times. Let me tell you something about marriage. You want to be married? You better learn how to keep your mouth shut. One of the best things I've said all for years in here. You better learn how to forgive and show mercy and keep your mouth shut. Two of y'all, but two of y'all knew that? Dear ones, but you see, I got it. Who's going to stand up for my rights? Oh, you fix them to get killed. You can do it, or you can shut your mouth, and he will do it. Blessed is the man who listens to him. And that's what I've learned. I don't care whether I feel like it or not. I don't care if everything in me screams. I'm going to do what that man says. You say, well, you're very spiritual. I ain't got nothing to do with being spiritual. I like living. I like God being good to me. I like that treasure in that field that I found by obeying him. And it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. Faith always requires action. You say you're in faith, show me what you're doing. There's got to be, even if you're just believing God to do something in prayer, there's a place of staying in faith in that prayer. And you've got to keep believing. I've seen this happen to me. I listen to people pray and I can tell they're just, they're not praying. They're just talking. I think I told you this one time. I'm trying to not to tell any of y'all stories. It, it, I've been here 20 years. It's hard not to tell y'all stories. I have to keep going back to that last year. I'm so old now. I forgot what they did. I'm praying one day, uh, an assistant pastor and a mechanic. And this guy said, my family's just falling apart. It's terrible. I, we got to pray. And the guy, the mechanic, he said, well, let's pray right now. So we all three got down on our knees, pray. And this fellow, the pastor, he started praying. And he got in about three sentences. And that mechanic said, stop. Wait. And I looked up, and he's looking at him with the funniest look on his face. He said, you've got to pray in faith. You're just fussing. He said, you're just crabbing about how bad it is. You've got to pray in faith and expect God to do something. And I said, 
Amen. Amen. Listen to him. Got the mechanic teaching the preacher how to pray. Do you know what? He was right. There was no faith. He was just whining about how bad it was. No faith in that. You got to pray and say, Father, I praise you that you're going to help this girl. I believe you to do that. Faith is active. Got to do something. And there's always an action that can go with your life. Always there. All right, let me ask you a question. Anybody here ever heard of this? Have you ever heard of the will of God? You ever heard of your will? Ever had a collision? Let me ask you a question. What is the will of God? Say, Brother Brown, I wish I knew. I've wondered what the will of God is. You don't need to wonder. Buy your Bible. Psalm 128 is the will of God. He wants you to be happy. It's His will. Right there it is. He wants your marriage to go well. That's His will for you. He wants your family to do well. He wants you to be blessed financially. Right there it is. I'll bless your labor. He wants you to grow old, strong, and fresh, and flourishing. He wants you... God's will is in His Word. What are you looking for? Gabriel? He sent His Word. God's will is for good. He wants you to have the best life possible. He didn't have to make me and you. He made us to bless us. Faith and obedience is the key to all blessing. Let me just... I want you to understand this crazy preaching and teaching that's going on in our land that God's out to get you. If He wanted to get you, you'd have been God. He's that big. He's not out to get you. He's trying to be good to you. He wants to be good to you. Do you want to be good to your children? Luke chapter 11. If you being evil compared to me will give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? And then He he said, do you want me to make it so silly? you want me to make it silly for you? If your son is hungry and he asks for bread, you're going to put a rock on his plate? You say, well, that's silly. Can't you see what the man's saying? I'll do things for you quicker and you'll feed your children when they're hungry. He's that good. I want you to listen to Psalm uh, 81, verses 13 through 16. If my people would listen to me and do what I say, listen to me, I would crush their enemies. I would feed them with the finest wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy them. You know, those are biblical pictures. What are you looking for in life? How about if God Almighty crushed every one of your enemies? What is the wheat thing? Wheat's always a picture of strength in the Bible. What's the honey thing? Sweetest life possible. Can't you hear the heart of God? I want to do this for you, but it's not free. You've got to listen to me. You have to let me tell you how to live. Uh, For instance, one of the greatest, the greatest ever given Matthew 23, Jesus walked up to the city of Jerusalem. The Bible said he stood there and he wept. And he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets I send to you and you stone the people I send to help you. All I wanted to do was gather you like a hen gathers her chicks and you would not listen to me. Therefore, your house shall be left to you desolate and be destroyed till the day you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You hear the heart of God right there. All I wanted to do was be good to you. I did everything I could to be good to you, but you would not listen to me. Dear ones, you can, you can get prayed for, you can read books, you can go to church, you can sing Christian music, you can get up on one foot and put your hand on your head and spin around three times. Make up in your mind, I'm going to obey that man. Everything else follows obedience. It is the lost key in the land today. I'm going to say it again. Heaven is free. Every blessing's got a price tag attached to it. And the price tag is to obey him. Just, just make up your mind. Well, the easiest thing you should find so hard. Look right here. No, it's not. 
My yoke is easy. My burden's light. You know what's hard? I'm going to tell you what's hard. The way, listen to what Proverbs says, the way of the disobedient is hard. You know why it's so hard in this nation right now? He said, it's the Democrats. No, it's not. It's Republicans. No, it's not. They're all nuts. Between me and you, they're all crazy. All of them are blind. We got the blind lead. Never mind. What does the Bible say? The way of the disobedient is hard. If it's hard, there's disobedience. Come to me and take my, you know what my yoke means? It don't mean go to church. It means you're going to let me tell you where to go. You're going to let me lead you. My yoke is easy. Now I'm going to tell you my struggle with it. I got saved, young man, and I knew you should do right because I thought you're supposed to do right or he'd get you. God's not out to get you. There's another one out there going to get you, but it's not the Lord Jesus. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I knew I should do right for the sake of doing right, but the more I got to know him, I found out that man's doing his best to be good to me. But it is obedience. And I made a decision a while back, best I know how, I don't care whether I like it or not. Whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it. If he says a rooster pull a freight train, I'm going to hook him up. No matter to me. I don't care what he says. And it's not that I'm spiritual. I just know how good he is. And he will bless you. That's why we need to go. Do you know the Bible said that one of the purposes of songs, we talked about songs for two weeks. One of the purposes of songs is to teach people. Do you know that? Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We sing to learn things. Uh, we've gotten away from it a little bit. We need to get back once in a while to these type of songs that say, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. No other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. All right, I'm done. I'm going to tell my wrestling story before I leave, though, one more time. It's about the fourth time I've told this. Y'all should have got this by now. I'm just a teenage boy. My best friend lived in an apartment complex on the other side of the neighborhood I lived in. And he could drive, and I was just 15. I was 15, he was 16. He could drive. And we had an old ragged Volkswagen. You remember the old Volkswagen bugs with the engine in the back? Unbolt four bolts. You can walk, take the engine in the house at night and set it down. It wasn't nothing to it. <laughs> old Volkswagen bug, ragged. And uh, we're out there in that parking lot one day, and we're washing that Volkswagen. And a professional wrestler named Johnny Weaver lived in those apartment complexes. Johnny Weaver, George Becker. That was back when it was just overweight men in their underwear hugging each other. It wasn't this demonic crap that it is now. It was pretty good back then. Park Center. And Johnny Weaver lived there. He's a single guy, lived by himself. Well, he came pulling in and he got He said, hey, boys. Just hollered. Down. We was down a ways. He said, hey, boys. He said, wash mine when you're done. And then he went in the house. We didn't say, yeah, you're there, nothing else. We got done. I said to David, I said, let's wash his car. He said, no, I don't wash his car. I said, wash the man's car. How many, go up and tell your grandchildren you wash Johnny Weaver's car. Come on, wash the car. Let's go do it. So we drug our hose down there, washed his car, got done, went, went back on, did our business. Got up the next morning, we came out to go somewhere. Well, his car was gone, and we got in that old Volkswagen, had spoked wheels, and in the wheel, a $10 bill was rolled up and stuck in that wheel. Oh, you're not impressed now, yeah. you little rich kids. <laughs> I was raised poor. We're talking 1973 $10 bill. Yeah. That $10 bill would buy lunch at McDonald's for both of us, all the beer we could drink in a day, you say you was underage. We didn't bother about it back then. And all the tickets we needed to play at the arcade all day. That was Disneyland for us. For washing his car, it didn't take 20 minutes. 
We had a big time that day. Ate at McDonald's, drank beer with our hamburgers, drank beer at the arcade, drank beer after. We just drank beer all day, had a big time. <laughs> Played in the arcade. Come back that evening about five o'clock. Got out. I saw his car was over there. I went up there to, knocked on his door and I said, Mr. L, I said, thank you. That was real nice you do. He said, glad to do it. And I said, uh, is your garbage need care now? Do you, how about you, did your floor need vacuuming? He said, no. I said, anything you, you need anything? Anything you need? He said, that's so nice of you. No, it wasn't nice of me. I had figured out something about that man. He pays 12 hours wages for one hour's work. And I spent as long as he lived there, I always saw him. I'd ask him, you need something done? You tell me to do it, see how quick it gets done. Dear ones, we have got to get to know this wonderful Heavenly Father that if he tells you to do something, it's not because he wants to rip you off. It's because he wants to be good to you. And the kingdom of God, God blessing your life, is like treasure hidden in a field. It's going to cost you something, but you're going to get the treasure. It's going to cost you everything you got, but you're going to get the pearl you're looking for. You're going to get the pearl of great price. You will find what you're looking for by saying, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. And when them issues come, and listen, you're going to be tested. I've been saved for years, and I'm a preacher. I still get tested on these things where I go, I'd really rather do it my way. But let me tell you what I've learned. For what he pays, I'm all in. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you. I pray in Jesus' name you would blow the religious fog out of this house and out of people's hearts. That you're this angry, overbearing father that's just hard to get along with and just demanding. How could that God have nailed his son to a cross to show me how much he cares about me? That's not you. I praise you that you are, as your word says, you are a good father who gives freely to his children. You're not looking for a way to get us. You're not looking to make our lives miserable. You are looking for a way to be good to us and to bless us. That's why you test us constantly. And you, we get test after test, a chance to walk by faith and obedience so you can be good to us. I pray for every person in this room. Lord Jesus, I've never seen a time of greater temptation. Surely these are the days you spoke of. I've never seen a time when people were struggling more with questions and temptations and these voices are calling people to craziness and away from God's Word. Father, there's never been a time we needed to cling to your Word tighter and say, I don't care. Whatever that Word says, that's what I'm going to do. Father, I just want to praise you and thank you. I have the easiest life in the world. I don't even have to think about stuff anymore. All the decisions are made till the day I croak. All the decisions are already made. Nothing to be talked about. All I got to do is look it up. If he says it, that's what we're going to do. Thank you that when we walk with you in the light of your word, what a glory you shed on our way. I know how much I want my children to make it. I want them to have great marriages. I want them to be happy. I want them to be healthy. I want them to do great in their jobs. I don't care whether they're the president or the trash man. I just want them to do well. If that's the heart of an earthly father, how much more the heavenly father who would say, if you just listen to me, just listen to me, I'll crush your enemies. I'll feed you with the finest wheat. With honey from the rock, I'll satisfy your soul. I trust you for that. Father, we ain't nothing else. We want to be a bunch of folks who listen and obey. Thank you for your goodness. Precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.